I invite you this morning to turn to the first chapter of Luke. I could have just put that in there as my scripture today, but I decided to say selected verses because I am going to be looking at different verses throughout the sermon. But I want to read a lengthy passage in Luke. It is the one that tells about the coming of John the Baptist. He was the forerunner that announced the coming of Christ before his birth. And this is going to be the last of the series on hearing God. But there are some great lessons to, be, lessons to be learned from this passage and some others that tie in with it. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord's people to make ready for the Lord a people prepared and Zacharias said to the angel how shall I know this for I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years and the angel answered him I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and remained mute. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, there are times in our lives where we experience delays to prayers that we have asked. We need to have some insight and to understand, to have some understanding as to why this may happen. We would ask for your spirit to be our teacher today. Show us from your word different examples that we can relate to 
and can take into our own heart. Father, it is our prayer that our faith and our trust in you would be on the increase so that you might be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think one of the most remarkable questions found in the Word of God is in verse 18. Thought I was over the illness, and it kind of cleared up, but then toward the end of this week, I started developing a sore throat. It seemed to have cleared up this morning, but I can tell that things are not quite there yet. So be in prayer uh, that my voice comes back, and you won't have to listen to that faint voice through the whole sermon. Look at verse 18 for a moment. Zechariah asks the question, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, it would seem to me that if I had prayed for something, and God personally sent an angel to deliver the answer to that prayer, that, uh, that, that would be enough assurance, I would hope, for me. And yet, Zacharias asked this question. It's no wonder he was made made speechless for nine months, right? When you ask a question like that after having an angel appear to you. Why was he slow to believe? Well, look back at verse 13 and you'll get the key. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, on a superficial reading of that, you get the idea that Zechariah had been in there praying that God would give him a son. I don't think that's the case at all. How, how many old men go before the Lord praying for a son? It doesn't happen, does it? Now, I believe that what happened here, the key to it is your prayer has been heard. It's in the past tense. Your prayer was heard. It has been heard in the past. In other words, he wasn't talking about a prayer that had just been offered. Zacharias was in there burning incense as an act of worship. All the people were outside praying. He had made his prayer for a son a long time ago when he was younger and when his wife was younger. Makes perfect sense that he would pray for a son, doesn't it? I don't doubt that he had forgotten about that prayer. That was a prayer that he had long since given up on. He assumed that God was not going to answer that prayer. And so he went on with life, continued serving the Lord. But God had not forgotten the prayer. God had indeed said yes, but I'm going to delay the timing of it so that it will be an even bigger blessing. It will be an even greater miracle. Emerging from this passage are some key, key, uh, important principles pertaining to answered prayer. And I think we can get some understanding as we look at this and some other examples as to why God delays prayer. You know, one of the most important aspects of prayer, as I was talking about last week, is how can these prayers be answered? And if if you don't get answers, why? Why not? You know, it's useless to be praying and not expect to have answers coming back to you. 
Uh, many of you can testify to answered prayer, and many of you can testify to some unanswered prayer. But as I said last week, one of the most frustrating things for Christians is to pray and not receive an answer. The outline for last week was a simple one. I said you need to look to yourself first of all. Are you living a lifestyle that is not bringing glory to God? Is that something, is there sin in your life that could be, uh, that could be disrupting your prayer life? Second thing is, I brought out to you is you need to look to your prayer. Look to your prayer. The prayer itself. Is it according to God's will or is it wishful thinking on your part? Are you praying for your desires to be met or are you honestly praying for God's will to be done in your life? Third, you need to look to God. You know, he may be answering it differently than you expected. And as I just mentioned, sometimes he delays the answer. And that is the thought that I want to expand on a little bit today. When he delays answers to prayer, there is a reason for it. First thing that we need to realize is that God does sometimes delay the answers to prayer. I believe that he has an answer ready the moment you pray. But he will sometimes delay it for a purpose. Seems to me that scripture says when I pray that God hears and answers immediately. But the fulfillment, the actual visible answer is sometimes delayed. That's what the angel was saying here. The prayer was heard. God had answered it immediately. But then he delayed the answer getting to them. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't know that. And so they missed out on the joy of looking forward to God's answer. But the granting of the request was immediate. The fulfillment was delayed, however. But this isn't the only example in Scripture of this kind of thing happening where there is a delay. In Daniel chapter 10, we find that Daniel had been praying for 21 days, for three full weeks. And then in the 12th verse of Daniel 10, an angel came to him and said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. And then the angel gave an explanation to him as to why there was a delay. In the 13th and 14th verses, he says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for the days yet to come. The reference to Michael here, refers, I believe, to Michael the archangel. Daniel's conversation with the Lord reveals to us a very important fact for us to understand that there is an invisible war that is going on. When you enter into prayer, you are entering into spiritual warfare. And whether you realize it or not, there is warfare taking place. If he can keep you from praying at all, then he's got you right where he wants you. You're no threat to him. If, however, you enter into prayer, he's going to try to do whatever he can to disrupt that 
and keep you from hearing the answer and understanding what God's will is. But there is this war, heavenly war, going on between good and evil, the forces of God and the forces of evil. For three weeks, Daniel had been praying. Praying for wisdom to understand some visions that he had received. But the answer was delayed to him. Why didn't he? Well, it's because the prince of the kingdom of Persia, an evil angel, that's what he's talking about here, an evil angel, had attacked the angel that was coming to deliver the answer to the prayer. It appears as though there are, yeah, there was an evil angel that was assigned to the king of Persia and trying to make sure that the king of Persia would do what Satan wanted him to do. Michael, the archangel, I believe, was assigned to the nation of Israel to see that Israel was doing what the, what the Lord wanted them to do. And so there was this warfare taking place in the spiritual realms for a period of three weeks that delayed the answer in coming. Now, there's no question about it. Well-meaning people scoff at this whole idea of invisible forces, demonic forces, forces of good and evil angels. They caricature Satan, make him something to, to laugh at. But the fact remains that this is biblical theology. This is biblical teaching. When Lucifer rebelled against God and was judged, he took a third of the angels with him. And they are the demonic forces in our world today that are opposing Christ and trying to obey Satan at his every, every word. According to Ephesians 6, Satan has a well-organized army of these evil spirits that are ready to obey his command. But through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, He has defeated Satan and his army of evil angels. And we, as believers, can claim the victory by faith, by trusting him. Faith in the word of God. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believing prayer to oppose and defeat the wicked one. It appears that there are specific evil angels that are assigned to various nations, trying to keep them in line, trying to keep their leaders in line. Is it any wonder that the Apostle Paul in Ephesians told us, implored us to pray for the leaders of our nation? We should pray not only for the leaders of our nation, but for the leaders of nations around the world. And you say, well, they are heathen. We don't want to pray for them. No, we need to be praying for them. We need to pray that they would not be under the influence of Satan, and yet so many are. We need to pray for their deliverance from that. The problem was that the people forget that. The people forget to pray for their leaders. They forget to pray for their nations. And so many poor decisions are made as a result. And the world becomes a much more difficult place for a believer to live in. Because these evil forces will be against Christ. 
and anything that he stands for whenever they can. The prophet Daniel had been involved in a cosmic spiritual warfare even if he didn't know it. Even if he did not know it. And notice that the Lord is using some of his highest angels. Michael is the archangel, the highest of the angels. He's the one that was there to to help the angel that was delivering. Some have speculated that it might have been Gabriel. I don't know. But without a doubt, Michael, mentioned by name, is the archangel, the highest of the angels. This sought to make us realize that prayer is not some humdrum religious exercise or ritual that we go through. Prayer is of vital importance in the world today. It is where the spiritual battles are fought and won. We need to be praying, praying constantly, constantly for the world that we live in, constantly for those that we love, constantly for the people around about us, constantly for the for the leaders of our nations. The neglect of prayer is the reason why there are many struggling churches and struggling individuals. As a missionary to the Slavic people often reminded his his listeners, he said, much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. Jesus taught his disciples that the demonic forces could not defeat them except could not be defeated except by prayer and fasting. His disciples needed to understand that. We need to understand that today. Daniel had involved, been involved in prayer and fasting for a lengthy period of time. Our Lord Jesus took very seriously this whole reality of Satan and the demonic forces And friends, if he's taking it seriously, we ought to take it seriously also. It doesn't mean that we should blame every headache and every interruption upon demons. I I once heard a preacher, when the sound system went berserk, say, it must be demon-possessed. No, 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 no. It's a mechanical thing. It's an electronic thing. It has glitches. Just like with our recordings, we have glitches. Sometimes the glitches are in my brain where I forget to turn it on, to be honest. But the reality is that Satan is out there with his demons. He is described, his power is described as that of a a roaring lion. His uh, subtlety is described as being like a serpent slithering along. One of his chief chief traps is to get people to believe that he doesn't exist Or if he does exist, that he's not worth worrying about. And that's a mistake that many, many a believer has made. Well, the angel restored Daniel's strength so that he could hear the the prophetic message that was being delivered by the messenger. And that he could record it so that we could learn from it. And in the 19th verse of Daniel 10, he, he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. This is the angel talking. Be strong and of good courage. And then Daniel says, As he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So he needed to 
be strengthened so that he could hear the long message that the Lord had for him. And the angel could deliver it after that. But he made it clear to him that the battle wasn't over yet. The battle was not over yet. As soon as he got done instructing Daniel, he was heading back with Michael so that he could uh, go up against the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, talking about two satanic evil forces, evil angels, who were opposing the plans of the Lord's. They had been assigned to these, these nations, and they were against those plans. Satan was against those plans, and his demons were against those plans. That's why we need to pray for those in authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That means you already have them. You already have them. Believe that you have received it. R.A. Torrey made the statement that he, he used to stumble over the grammar here until he finally just accepted it and thanked God for the promise. He didn't understand it. He couldn't quite comprehend it. But God had made a promise to him in that verse, and so he was going to claim that promise. The lesson he learned from that was, quoting, believe that it is so when it is not so, in order for it to be so. 1 John 3.22 is another one of those great verses. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And again, the word receive here is in the present tense. It means you're already receiving them. 1 John 5.14 and 15 has been one of my favorite passages for many years. This is the confidence that we have toward him if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. We already have those requests that we've asked of him. There's an immediate answer to prayer, but the fulfillment of that prayer is many times delayed. We're going to see some other reasons why it could be delayed in the next few moments. So, if you're like me, that leaves me, then what do I pray? What do I pray? Do I ask him one time and then not mention it anymore? Is that what I do? How will I know? Let me try to give you a few guidelines that were shared with me many years ago. One, when your prayer request has no direct biblical indication that it's God's will. And to use a couple of examples out of last week's sermon, uh, that could be healing. It could be getting a new job. You could put in other things that you just don't know what God's will would be, and you pray for them. Well, you should pray until one of three things happens. You keep on praying until you get it. Luke 11, you could look at to see how he talks about persistence. Or, 
Keep on praying until you get the assurance that you're going to get it. In other words, you have God's peace about it. And you trust that he is going to answer your prayer. It may be 20, 30, 40 years down the line, but you know that he is going to answer that prayer. Or you keep on praying until God lets you know that it's not his will. And there have been, there have been many times where that has happened to me, where as I have been praying about something, it, is, it just really became impressed upon me that what I was praying for was not a part of God's will. And I needed to stop praying for it. You see, God is far more interested in you knowing what his will is than you are in knowing it. And God has the responsibility of letting us know what his will is. If he didn't, it would be like me to speak to my daughters and say, I've got something that I want you to do, and if you don't do it, I'm going to wallop you. Wallop is a term for spanking. Okay, if you're not familiar with that term. The obvious response of my daughters would be, what do you want me to do? And it would be like me saying, I'm not going to tell you. Now think about that for a moment, if you will. Is that fair? No, that's not fair at all. It's totally unfair. Believe me, God is more interested in you knowing his will than you are in knowing his will. He's a whole lot fairer than I am. Colossians 3.15 tells us that we have a spiritual referee who is blowing the whistle every time we're outside of the will of God. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The word rule there is a word that literally means to act as an empire, umpire, not empire, to act as an umpire, to arbitrate. He is the referee, if you will. The peace of Christ that he is talking about here is not the peace that we have with God when we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ. But it is the peace that God gives, that calm assurance that is in your heart. And if that peace is missing, then that thing is wrong. So many times I've prayed and couldn't get peace over what I was praying about. I've entered into prayer sometimes when I was sure I knew what God's answer was going to be. And I didn't get a piece about it. And so I realized that it was not God's will, at least not God's will at this time. Secondly, when you pray for a thing that the Bible doesn't specifically say he's going to do, well, you need to bring it to God. You need to claim the promise. You need to thank him for the answer. You don't have to pray that God will meet your needs, do you? He's already promised you that. But you need to thank him that he is meeting them. Remind him of his promise, claim it, and praise him for it. Now let's go on to expand our understanding of this. God often delays the answer. We've already established that. He delays the answer to answer it better. Suppose Zacharias and Elizabeth had and had their child earlier. 
Would it have brought as much glory to God? Would it have been as great a miracle? I think John would have just been another Jewish boy. Another Jewish boy. But God delayed the answer to make it better. I believe the same thing was true with Hannah in the book of Samuel in regard to the birth of Samuel. God delayed it until it became so obvious that she couldn't have a child. And then he gave her a child and he received the glory. He did it better. God always gives the best for those who leave the choice to him. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of shooting too low. My prayers, all too often, I'm shooting too low. But God knows. God knows what is best. Has God delayed answering your prayer? Then why not just praise him for the delay in the answer? I know it's not easy. But I think we need to do that, trusting him that he indeed is going to deliver that answer to you. It will someday become clear what his answer is. Don't let your faith waver, but praise him that even in the midst of a delayed answer, you're trusting him. Third major thing I want to bring to your point, to your attention, is that God often delays the answer until the situation is humanly impossible. He answers it better. Many times he leaves it till it's humanly impossible. Again, we look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. We can look at Abraham and Sarah. We can look at these different examples. And God received all the glory because it was a miracle that they were going to have a child. There was no other explanation to it. You don't give a child to an old lady and an old man. It does humanly impossible. Right? Well, not totally impossible, but pretty much impossible. God chose to do it that way. Once again, it took an obvious miracle and God received all the glory. I many times have had people say, I've been praying about this situation. We're praying about this person, and it's gotten worse. <laughs> God allows it to worsen sometimes. Why? Well, sometimes it's because Satan is opposing it. Sometimes it's because God is allowing it so that it will be more dramatic and obvious when he answers that prayer. So don't be surprised if a situation or if an individual gets worse as you pray for them. But keep on praying for them. The fourth thing that I want to say to you today is that God answers when it is linked to divine necessity. This is perhaps the most important principle of all. God needed a John the Baptist to pave the way for the coming of the Messiah. God needed a prophet like Samuel to guide the people of Israel to give them spiritual instructions. When he solved those problems, he solved his own problem. And so the question needs to be asked of all of us. Does God need to answer our prayers? 
does God need to answer your prayers? There's only one man in Scripture that I am aware of who came to Jesus for help and was ignored. I'm referring to the thief on the cross. One of the thieves, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the other one in Luke 23, 39 said, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. For God to have answered that prayer, for Jesus to have answered that prayer, would have only extended the career of, in crime and sin of this individual. That's all that would have come because he was not repentant. God wouldn't have gotten any glory out of it. He would have brought disgrace. Some people pray for raises for the wrong reason. When in reality, they aren't even honoring God with the money that they have. Is your prayer linked to divine necessity? That's the question. God often delays the answer to prayer. For one of those reasons, let's pray together. Father, it is difficult for us to not receive immediate answers to our prayers. We want to have insight and understanding immediately when we're praying for something. If it's a no, then we want it to be clear that it's a no. But Lord, if it's a yes, we want to have immediate fulfillment. Father, we're human. And this is one of our frailties. You have an understanding of that and you know what is best for us. So help us, even when we don't hear the answer immediately, to trust you, that you have heard our prayer and that you are answering it. Let us trust you for the timing and for the methods that you use to answer our prayer. Help us to remain faithful in those times where we have the question marks, to trust you fully and completely for every aspect of our lives, even when we cannot understand what's going on around us or to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.